This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast. We have hit six episodes. I cannot believe it. Actually, no, I can because because it has been a roller coaster of technical higgery, higgery, hickery, pokery, jiggery. You know, whatever. It's been a roller coaster. Anyway, this week. I was delighted to be on the Alliance of Independent Authors Fiction and Nonfiction podcast with Orna Ross. We were talking about all things marketing and specifically answering the question, who is your reader and why should you care? I have got the link, so I will link to that episode in the show notes. But I have another announcement because I'm even more delighted to say that I will be a regular guest on their podcast. Well, no, I'm going to be a regular host on their podcast going forward. Their podcast, this particular podcast is every second Monday, I believe, of the month. And I will be hosting their fiction and nonfiction podcast episode with Adam Croft. If you don't know who Adam Croft is, then go back and, excuse me, listen to episode one of the Rebel Author podcast, where I talk to Adam all about uh, the indie author mindset. Each month, we're going to tackle uh, one particular theme or question, and we'll be looking at it from both the point of view of writing fiction and writing nonfiction or selling, as the case may be. Okay, next in, I am trying to suppress a serious amount of excitement because I have been working with Icy Cedric, who designed the Rebel Author Podcast logo, to create a new logo saying, I'm a rebel author because, my devious little darlings, that is exactly what we are. And not gonna lie, I really want it on a hoodie. So I have been looking at using Redbubble. which is, uh, it's it's a kind of custom art sales store, I suppose is the easiest way to describe it, where you can put logos or artwork onto, you can print them onto various different items of clothing or merchandise. So I, I'm going to get a hoodie and then I'm going to put them on sale if any of you guys would also like to join my Rebel Author Club. So stay tuned. I will hopefully have more information on that probably next time, possibly the episode after. Okay, I also have a book recommendation for you this week. Ali Ingleby, a patron, recommended Dear Writer, You Need to Quit by Becca Syme. Now, I appreciate that that sounds wildly pessimistic and negative, but it's not because this book questions makes you question all of your, you know, writer bullshit that you put up in your head about creative blocks or just anything, any habitual habits or things that you're doing that are really detrimental to your creative mindset and your writing business. And I can tell you, (laughs) personally, that Becca Syme must be some kind of psychic voodoo witch because she, boy, boy, 
did I feel called out within about three pages of, of reading this book. It was fantastic. Uh, but I mean, it, it simultaneously made my week and completely ruined it. So yeah, I just, I cannot recommend this book enough. Becca is a genius. So you have to go listen. I mean, listen, wait, well, possibly actually it might be an audiobook. I'm reading it, but yeah, go read or listen or do all of the things. Just get the book in your life. I also wanted to, <clears throat> excuse me, give you a bit of a a personal update about NaNoWriMo. I, I don't think I've done really a personal, personal update in this way before, but I'm going to do one today. So I, I wasn't going to do NaNo this year. And I'll tell you why. I The last time I published fiction was 18 months ago in July 2018, which is unacceptable as far as I am concerned. You know, I just quit my job to write full time and it's been six months and I've still not published a fiction book. In fact, I haven't published anything since I left which is not a good place to be in if you're meant to be writing full time. So, yeah, I mean, I've spent 18 months basically bashing my head against Trey, which is the third book in my young adult fantasy series and the one that I'm working on. And I'll be honest, I I don't really have a lot of finishing energy. I don't, I struggle to finish projects. I love starting all of the things and I, I'm i all right until about 70% through and I do, in a weird way, I do get a bit of a rush when you can see the end in sight but that's usually when you have like 5% left rather than still 25% left. And anyway, I, I didn't want to stop Trey because if I stopped working on Trey, I felt like I would never go back. I felt like I wouldn't finish my series and that was unacceptable to me. Um, I didn't want to do that to readers. I didn't want to do that to myself. And so the prospect of going into Nano and working on something else was terrifying because I genuinely thought that I wasn't going to be finishing my series. But with so many creative things, I am learning that sometimes you have to take a leap of faith. And so I did. I, I have been working on The Anatomy of Prose, which is my next nonfiction book. And I can, I, I genuinely, I, I really thought on the first day of NaNo that that was it. I was saying goodbye to Trey and pff, fuck knows what was going to happen to the rest of that series. But within five days of doing nano i i came up with a solution and nano has been good for so many other reasons number one i have redeveloped a daily writing habit and uh, if i am being completely honest because i was struggling so hard with trey i got to the point where i hated it i hated writing i hated the book i hated sitting down at my desk i hated I, I just hated fiction and that is a dangerous place to be in if you are a full-time writer. So yes, here is me saying, be brave. If anybody else out there is bashing their head against the wall on a particular project, just stop. Have faith in yourself that taking a break does not mean that you won't return 
to your book. You will return to your book. If I can return to my book, you can. Um, yeah, just be empowered to to experiment and to take breaks and to work on other things. We don't have to start one project and go until the end. That is what I thought I had to do and it's a load of shit. So I'm rebelling against my old rules in my brain. And yeah, I, I am now excited to go back to work on Trey. So my point is, and I'm going to stop waffling now, if you are stuck, then please just have faith in yourself and take a break. You will find that there are many, many benefits to working on something else when you have been struggling. The listener rebel of this week is Renee Gallant. Renee says, my husband is seven years older than me. We started seeing each other when I was just 16 and he was 24. My father had a conniption and forbid us to continue seeing each other. Just side note, I absolutely love the word conniption. Many of my friends who know me in real life uh, will describe me as a conniption, which which is a fit of uh, excitement or, or the which is a fit of spontaneous excitement or anger, which is just, that is totally me. Uh, Anyway, uh, Renee continues to say, we snuck around and she did get pregnant, but they got married when she was 17 and they have been married for 30 years. Wow, you need a medal. In fact, anybody that's been married for 30 years needs a medal because let's be real here, people. We all love our spouses. I love my wife, but marriage it is hard work. Um, When they had been married for 21 years, she finally had to tell her parents to get over it. It's all all gravy now, uh, other than the fact that she was and is a people pleaser. Girl, you are not a people pleaser. You got married at 17 to somebody who was like, I can't do maths, eight years older than you and your parents were totally against it. You're a total rebel. Uh, she's still, she, but she, she insists that she is still working on her rebellious side. You can find Renee everywhere at the writer Renee, which is R E N E E. If you would like to be a listener rebel, then you can email your rebel story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet me at rebelauthorpods. Pods? <laughs> no, you can't. You, you can tweet me at rebelauthorpod. Okay, no new patrons this week, but I would like to take a minute to say thank you to each and every one of my patrons supporting the show. It really, really means a lot to me. Not only are you helping to actually run and continue running this podcast, but you make me feel like what I do matters. So thank you. If you would like to get early access to the show, then you can do so by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. And that is Sasha with a C. On with the show. Hello and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am with Renee Canalti. Renee is an Australian Air Force wife and mother of two. She writes stories of dance, romance and military life, including heart swings, catching onyx and swinging through life. If you run into Renee at the shops, make sure you wave to get her attention because she'll likely be listening to an audiobook or lost in a daydream. Renee, welcome! Hello, good morning or good evening. I'm not sure where we are today. We're all over the world. We are. I love it. I love that technology can connect us from quite literally thousands of miles away. You are in the future. Tell me what happens in the future. 
Um, the sun comes up. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's about as far as I've got. Coffee still works. <laughs> Um, and that's about where I'm at so far today. That is the two most important things. The sun ro- rose and there is still coffee in the world. We're, we're all yes. good. Um, <laughs> so thank you very much for getting up super early for me. It is very late here, but, um, uh, uh, you know, hey, we, we've made it. And that's the important thing. So tell me a little bit about your author journey and how you got to where you are. Uh, well, unlike most people I hear who are, have always wanted to be authors, um, that was never something on my radar. I'd never dreamt of being an author. Um, I was always a, an avid reader and I'd put authors up on this godlike pedestal that they were up there and amazing creative beings and that wasn't me and that could never be me. Um, but it sort of all happened by accident. I, one thing led to another, which led to another Um I see it really triggered off when my husband joined the military and we had to move from the town we were living in across the country to uh, up to Darwin, which is right up the north of Australia. And I'd never been there before. I didn't know anything about military life. So um, the avid fiction reader that I was, I went looking for books, for stories set in Darwin or stories with Australian military life. And I couldn't find any. So it was after we moved up to Darwin, um, and I'd been reading more. I joined a, an online book club to try to make friends and then got into book blogging so that I could get more books because there's never enough books. <laughs> um, and through those connections, I actually uh, met some authors and discovered that they're actually people. Um, well, I mean, that is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> I know. It, was, I, it took me by surprise for a while. It took a little bit of getting used to that they were normal people like me. I was a person too, and maybe it wasn't out of the realms to be able to write a book. Uh, So with a bit of prodding from a few uh, online author friends and other bloggers, I signed up for Camp NaNoWriMo, which is like NaNoWriMo in November, which is the month people try to write 50,000 words in a month, which I found way too overwhelming. So Camp NaNo, you're allowed to change the rules and make them up yourself. You already sound like a rebel. (laughs) (laughs) Much more my style. I'd rather just change the rules and do it my way. So I set a a 20,000 word goal and hit it. And then I figured, okay. Um, So I kept going and I haven't looked back. And so how long long have you been? When was the first nano that you did? Um, The first nano I did was in 2015. So it took me probably about a year to get through the first draft of the first book because I got that 20,000 words in. Then I thought, okay, um, I better take this seriously and go and actually read some writing craft books because I have no idea what I'm doing. So I went and did a bit of research and did some online courses and kept writing and came back and kept writing and um, got to a point where I needed to know my character's backstory. So I just wrote it and then copied and pasted it out of the novel because it didn't need to be in there um, Mm. and turned that into a short story. So that's now the prequel to the novel that I first wrote, um, which is actually currently in limbo because I'm in the process of having my rights returned uh, from the uh, publisher that I worked with. Ah, so are you traditionally published? I'm a bit of everything published. I've worked with three uh, small traditional publishers, so three small publishers um, all over Australia and the US. And uh, was earlier this year, I just decided I'd rather do it all myself. I yeah. really like to be in control of everything. <laughs> Come to and the dark like, side. 
<laughs> and, and I've self-published a few other books and it's like I want them all back give me all my books so I just emailed everyone and asked really nicely can I please have my rights back to everything um, and everyone said sure and so it's just taken a bit of time to go through the process gosh you're so uh, lucky they that all they've come back I'm going to relaunch them all yeah that's fantastic you are very very lucky that they've they all said mm-hmm. yes that is fantastic so how many books are you yes. giving back um I've got a children's book back, which I just launched a couple of weeks ago, relaunched a couple of weeks ago um, from a small publisher in Queensland. And then I've got a novelette back from a publisher in Perth. That's um, They're still selling it as part of their anthology. So I said they can still have the rights to include it there, but I'd like the rights to um, sell it as an individual mm-hmm. um, e-book, paperback and audio, of course. We have mm-hmm. to do everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and the other one is... Um, a novel and then there's some associated short stories with that and then I'm writing a couple more novels because that's a whole series amazing Um, so that's the series is in limbo at the moment and I've got yeah sort of a few other short stories and children's books and non-fiction books out there and the non-fiction or at least one of the non-fiction books is the reason that we are here today so yeah so you we we are here to talk about creating audiobooks and and specifically yep. empowering indies to create their own audiobooks. So tell me tell me how how that came about. How you decided uh, to record your own audiobook. Um I listen to audiobooks more than read with my eyes these days. I've always loved audio when I um got my first book published. Um most people sort of dying to see their book sitting on a bookshelf somewhere on a in a shop I wanted an audio book that was my goal that's what I wanted that's why I chased up a publisher in the US because I couldn't access ACX and I wanted an audio book um, but with the initial cost of the audio book the the novel wasn't selling enough to rationalize spending that on the audio at that point um, so the audio just kept getting pushed back and not happening so I thought, well, I just want an audio book. That's all I want. That's my goal. I thought, damn it, I'll do it myself. I love it. So after oh, I thought about it, sort of tossed around the idea for a little while and thought, no, I can't do that. I'm not a voice actor. I don't know what I'm doing. And um, did all that sort of doubtful self-talk that we all do. Um, but I looked at a few things online. I read a couple of books and... Uh, then, of course, my laptop died, which was a very sad day, and I had to go into the shops and buy a new laptop. So while I was in JB Hi-Fi, I kind of wandered around to the other end of the store and just had a little look at the microphones. Fatal. And, Absolutely fatal. Yeah, <laughs> I finally walked out of there with a laptop and a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like, well, I've spent the money now. I better earn it back and go and make some audio books. So um, that's how it all started. Amazing. And so did you, was your first one fiction or non-fiction? Um, I started with fiction. I started with um, one of my flash, or the flash fiction collections and short stories that I'd published because um, as a beginner narrator, I didn't want to jump into a full length novel mm. um, and I didn't actually have the rights to do the audio on my full length novel anyhow. Um, so I started with uh, Catching Onyx, which is a 3000 word short story. Um, that's my perma-free short story up everywhere as an ebook, um, uh, just sort of to get my name out there, that sort of thing. So I did the audio for that one. And then I've got two flash fiction collections. Um, they've got about 10 or 12 stories each in them. So then I worked through those and, um, then worked through the children's books and then 
worked through the nonfiction, sort of went all the way through. The, the nonfiction happened because I did those first probably three books and I had people online, like other author friends, saying, how did you do that? And after the tenth person said, how did you do that? And I tried to explain things in Facebook comments. Um, I thought, look, I'm just going to write a blog post and then I can send that to people. I can send people a link and then I don't have to repeat myself. So I sat down, opened the laptop, thought I'll just do it in a Word doc and then I can format it and copy and paste it in later. Um, four hours later, I was still writing. <laughs> I'd, I'd hit about 6,000 words and decided I don't think it's a blog post anymore. <laughs> no. um, I still had more to say. So I went and had a break and got myself a cup up and come back and kept going. And over the next sort of, I had to take, finish it and go and be responsible for children and things. So I got back to it the next day and I um, finished off and I ended up with just over 10,000 words. Um, which was a brief sort of breakdown of this, do you do this and this is why I did it and this is like all the different steps and here's all the technical stuff and this is what it means and I sort of, I kept breaking it down because I go, well, I know what that means but nobody else would so I'd have to go and add a bit more detail about this to explain concepts. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went, okay, well, now it's a book and I go, and I suppose I better narrate it. So <laughs> Yeah, that would be ironic. Um, well, it was, it was amazing. I'd gone looking for so many books on how to narrate audio books and do audio, and I couldn't find them in audio. They were all in e-books. And, which I is thought, completely well, ironic, I'm going to make a book about audio books, I'm going to make it in audio too. <laughs> and so for listeners, I have both listened to the audiobook and then loved it so much, I immediately brought the paperback as well because I, you know, I like to handwrite notes on uh, in my mm. non-fiction books where I've learnt loads of things. Um, mm. And I have to say, I think it is one of in I would say my top one of my top two books for writers that I have read this year it is absolutely fantastic because it is so instructional and it literally takes an author from you know that you've got an idea you want to put your book into audio to completed published audiobook I just I've never seen anything like it that's why I was so desperate to speak Mm. to you because um (laughs) Like you say, there are no instructional books out there. There are, you know, mm. like I've, I listened to one on how to start a podcast. I think it's called Say so You Want to Start a Podcast. It was great. And it was, but you mm. know, it was very blue sky and strategic and not very tactical. And everybody's mm. too afraid to do these tactical books. So I just, I loved it. And I really mm. urge anybody who is even considering doing an audiobook to go and buy it. So, mm. so tell me. How difficult mm. is it really to record an audiobook? I don't think it's difficult. It's time consuming. But if you can write a novel, if you can sit there and figure out how to edit a novel, if you can do all your basic things and use a laptop computer, you can do it. You can narrate it. If you can talk <laughs> and people can understand what you say, um, you can make an audiobook. It's just there is a learning curve. That you do need to spend some time practicing um, because it, it does take some time um, and you get better as you go on. If you listen to my first audio book compared to my latest one, you'll probably hear a difference. <laughs> um, <laughs> same as the first podcast to the latest podcast. There's always a difference. You get better as you practice. Exactly, um, yeah. With yeah. you, with your ability to do a podcast, there's you could absolutely do an audio book. No yeah. hesitation. Well, mm. so the funny thing is, I did record, mm. um, I got all the way, I think, 
I, I had one more recording session on my mm. first non-fiction book and unfortunately the person that I was uh working with had their equipment stolen um oh, and no. so I lost everything um which is very unfortunate um mm. and made me very sad um yes. but um it sort of made me even more determined to do it myself and myself only mm. um because mm. then I um, you know, it's just augmenting my control freak nature. Oh, <laughs> I totally get you. Yeah, if we're being honest, that's, that's like, really what it's I, about. Yeah, I self-teach everything. It's like, well, I want to know how to do that. So most people would outsource it. I'm like, well, I'll just do it myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm at the point where I have more time than money. Yeah. Uh, if it gets to the point where I have more money than time, then I'll possibly outsource more things as long as people do them the way I want them to do them. <laughs> Um, <laughs> down to the very second and nanosecond like of silence yeah <laughs> so okay so you have said that it's yep. time consuming how long does it really yep. take um okay when when you talk audiobooks people talk per finished hour so that means when you're listening to an audiobook it might be say five hours long um so that's that's the finished hours the amount of time that goes into making that five hours of audio is definitely more than five hours um, so if you're looking at one finished hour of audio, that's usually around nine to 10,000 words of text, um, to get the hour. So you would spend probably two hours recording that because you'll say everything, you'll make a mistake, you'll take a break, you'll go and you'll repeat yourself, you'll have interruptions, the dog will bark at the postman, um, guaranteed something is going to happen like that. Or the other day, the dog would bark at the neighbour's cat. You'll open the front door to chase the neighbour's cat away. The dog will decide to attempt to chase the neighbour's cat as well. But since the screen door was shut, we'll go the other direction and try to go through the front window. And then you'll have to pack your audio equipment up and get the glazier around to replace your front window. Oh, my goodness um, me. And that's obviously just completely yeah. made up on the spot. <laughs> Oh, no, yeah, 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 yeah. That's imaginary. There's not still tape on my front window that I've forgotten to take off. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, things happen, so you have to allow for that. Um, but usually you look at, say, about two hours in the recording, um, and then when you go back to edit that, you'll have at least the two hours because you have to actually play back everything you recorded, plus you'll have another hour or two where you're cutting and paint like cutting and deleting sections out and then re-listening to make sure it flows through uh those sorts of things so that the most time consuming part is the editing mm. um the bit most people are scared of is the mastering and that's where you get all the sound levels right um that is definitely the most technical part but it's the quickest it really comes down to um a couple of clicks and it's done in a couple of minutes um yeah. if you know what you're doing yeah that's Sorry. definitely definitely yeah. true of me as well so yeah. I um having just done a few podcasts already um I have to clip audio um I suppose I am yeah. a little bit scared because so I I know that when I was recording the audiobook the first time I had to speak yeah. a lot slower because naturally I speak quite fast um but <laughs> um the, the the thing that scares me is you know when you do make a mistake and and it's not the clipping the technical clipping mm. it's making sure that you still the, the the words and sentences still sound like they're flowing and like there wasn't a mistake mm. that you've just cut out there but I suppose that's just about being slow enough that you leave enough mm. space between your words instead of rabbiting yeah. on like I normally do um <laughs> 
totally, so, totally relate to that one. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, shut uh, up, Sasha. If you do make a mistake, you go back and repeat the whole sentence. Yeah, yeah. Don't try to um, sort of pick up halfway through a sentence because you will find the words will flow together. And then the, as you, you've seen when you've done the editing, you've got the sound waves and they will blend together if you're speaking your words together. So it's much easier to cut a section if you pause at the end of the sentence where you've got your full stop. Yeah, yeah. Naturally take a break. So go back. If you, if you notice you've made a mistake, go back and repeat the whole sentence and then it's much easier to clip out the one you don't want. Yeah, and the interesting thing is as well, after staring at audio for long enough, you can actually recognise sounds in yeah. waves. So yeah. I know when I've taken a breath, in, when I'm mm-hmm. looking at the podcast audio, I know when I've taken a breath because I can see it. And it, it's it's yeah. almost like I breathe exactly the same every time, which I probably do, but it sounds <laughs> ridiculous because I'm like, well, surely sometimes I take a bigger breath or whatever. But um, yeah, the sound waves are uh, the same. And it's, yeah, it's kind of can, cool. Yeah. yeah, I can recognize the P sound. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, because you can get, if it gets a bit too close, if you've, if you've sort of blown into the microphone too much, it gets really big. Um, and what you can do with that is you highlight that little P section and then you can amplify it with a negative number. So de-amplify it. So it's still there. You can just make it a bit quieter if it's if it's popping in your ears too much. I... Like there's little tricks around things like that. I don't think I've actually put that one in the book because I've come up with that little tip since I wrote the book. I know. Uh, and the I... joy of writing nonfiction books. Something always changes after you've published it. Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> But I do have a link to a resources page um, at the end of the book, which I can pass on to you and you can pop that in the show notes if people want to have a look straight through to there. And any little extra bits that I come up with, I pop it in them into that um, website. Perfect. I will put that in the show notes. I'm also, I suspect people will probably have just heard pen scribbling because I was definitely (laughs) writing that down. Um, mm. Now, one of my favourite tips, or, and actually I preferred it in the audio for obvious reasons, mm. was yeah. um, what what you do when you make a mistake. Please do demonstrate <laughs> for <laughs> listeners. <laughs> well, I, I play back everything. So um, when I'm listening for, for flow and things like that, so I hear all my mistakes, but a lot of people... If, especially if you're doing a big lot of a big audio book, will make a sound or something to show where the mistake is, so that you don't have to play back the entire thing. You can just sort of skip through to the spots where the mistakes are. So you could um, make a click noise, and that will give you a straight up spike, or you can go make a loud noise that does a high spike. You can click with your tongue. Um, I started doing that and then I sort of ended up blowing raspberries because it was annoying me. And that's also a sound that you can identify as you're scrolling through. Um, and I do find when I'm listening, I often have to uh, edit out swear words and hysterical <laughs> laughter because I've repeated the same sentence about four times and I still haven't said it correctly. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
listeners. I, I'm I'm laughing because I, you know, <laughs> recall when I was recording it the first time, you know, having to re-say certain things about 800 times. However, I know that um, Joanna Penn, when she is recording mm. her audiobooks, will go back and edit her ebooks and paperbacks yeah. uh, in order to make them I've done that too yes <laughs> yeah yeah and I think I might yeah. end up having to do that as well I know there was I <laughs> recall the one particularly tricky sentence that I was like I could fucking change it you know because you and, and that is the wonderful thing about being an indie Ooh. author you can um yeah. okay so this will I guess probably only be correct at the time of recording mm. but what basic kit and equipment would an author need to record an audiobook uh a laptop uh, which most of us would have if we're an indie author um the the thing that i had to spend money on was the microphone so you do need a good microphone you do need an appropriate type of microphone um, I go into a bit more detail in the book about that. Uh, the microphone I ended up buying is called a Rode NT-USB microphone. Um, it cost me about 150 Australian dollars from the shop in town. Um, other microphones people talk about are a Blue Yeti. Um, what microphone do you use? Um, I was just looking, so I had a feeling you'd ask me that. Um, <laughs> I have the AT2020, which I know is yeah. another common one that lots of people use. That's, yeah. That's another one I think I've linked on the resource page. So um, all those microphones, the thing they have in common is that they don't pick up sound from everywhere. You've mm -hmm. got um, some microphones are designed for being on stage and picking up singers in a band and, they, and they're going to pick up all the sound. You don't want a microphone that picks up all the sound. You don't want like a lapel mic that's going to pick up too much stuff. You need a microphone that you can put in front of your face and it picks up the sounds from you and your phone dinging in the background if you leave it on like I just did. Um, <laughs> so it's it's more directional. It'll get the sound from you or the other um, style they talk about is cardioid, which is a weird name that made me think it was some horrible technical thing. All cardioid means is that it's the sound pattern that it picks up, which it, it scoops around in front of you and it doesn't pick up the sound from beside. Um, so that's just some things after reading lots of audio blogs and watching YouTube videos, I sort of understood what they were talking about yeah yeah um, and that's what i've got that's what you've got um that's what most people who are podcasting would have a microphone like that anyhow um if you're going to look at doing um dictation a lot of people are doing that as they're writing as a different style of writing it's the same kind of microphone that would make that really useful too so investing in a microphone can be useful for other things apart from audiobook narration mm-hmm and so um, I'm guessing... What else do we need? <laughs> well, yeah. software, but you can get free software, software, can't you? I know I use free oh, software. Yes. I'm using Audacity, which yeah. is free. Um, that's open source software, so there's a lot of information and, and help on how to use that and little plugins to download um, that you can add in there that give you extra technical things you can do. So I've got a, a plugin I use that's called ACX Check. Um, and it's designed that you click that button and it checks your audio to see if you're within the ranges that ACX requires, which is so handy. <laughs> yes, I've also written that down. Yep. <laughs> this is um, such a, a good in, podcast. <laughs> if you have a look in the book, I've actually linked to the page that you can download that in the resources section. So okay. um, I'll make sure it's in the resource on the resources page when I send you the link. 
amazing now um that so there's only that there's well two other things that um one segues but the other thing that i use for podcasting is an arm um and it would depend entirely on where people are going to record but i have my mic attached to my desk because the amount of conference calls and podcast interviews i do i do not want to be packing my microphone away (laughs) so um i have Mm. yeah i think they're called a mic arm or a mic swing mm-hmm. arm is or something like that yep. so um if you yep. if you are intending on recording a lot of audiobooks and or even mm-hmm. going into podcasting then i would also recommend one of those um yeah. now the only yep. other thing segues into yeah. the next question which is blankets and or anything <laughs> to muffle the sound so Yes. The thing, this is the only other thing that terrifies me, is mm-hmm. getting the setup of the room correct. Yep. Now, you know, how? Because <laughs> I I know that lots of people recording... Oh, you hear co- everybody, everybody talks about the wardrobe. Yeah. Oh, that's where I, I started. I know wardrobe. you don't have the wardrobe. No. And that's the issue I had. Um, when I started, I was living in, a, in a, another house, a defence house on the other side of town. And I had this lovely walk-through wardrobe. And you'd go through, you'd have the hanging clothes on both sides. You'd have a door at either side. You went through to the bathroom. So if I shut the door, I, I got a couple of broomsticks and put them across the little shelves at the back and hung some blankets down. I had this great little room for recording. Um, and then we bought a house on the other side of town that didn't have that. So I was a bit stuck. I'm like, right, what do I do now? So I ended up um, in in the master bedroom. I had the, the wardrobe doors open beside the bed. And I dragged in a clothes rack and I hung some blankets over that and I grabbed a pile of pillows and stacked them up on the bed and I totally built a pillow fort um, and climbed inside that. Uh, I did discover, though, that it's not a good idea to use bean bags as the base for the pillows on the bed. Oh, because no. Because things start to crackle and then tumble over and squash you. Um, so, so make sure you're using sturdy pillows as a base <laughs> if you're going to build a pillow fort. Um since then, my husband's a carpenter, so I sent him to work. And he said, what do you want for your birthday? I said, I want a recording booth. Can you please build me one? Um, but because as a military spouse, we our family moves around every three years or so. We're due to move um, after Christmas this year. So I couldn't build anything permanent. Um, I needed to have something that I could pack up and put away, especially because we're in a small house. So I designed something and got hubby to build it. Um, so it's basically, it looks like a room divider. If you can imagine like two pit panels hinged together uh-huh. and if you sort of fold them out, uh, that makes a corner and I've gotten two sets of those. So I can just fold them out and put them together to make a big square. And then I can just fold them up and put them up against the wall. Um, they've got packing blankets stapled to them. They're timber frames with um, just moving blankets stapled to them for now. Uh, when I have some more money and can afford some acoustic blankets, cause they're a little more expensive, I'll upgrade my blankets. Uh, so for now, yeah, I've I've built a little movable room. <laughs> so does somebody have to have a small compact space or could they for example use their office? And if they if they have an office, how, you know, do they need to staple blankets to the walls or you know, should I I think yeah. you might have seen my bookcase behind me. Should I yeah. drape blankets <laughs> over that? I mean, like how how blankety do we need to go here? Well, what the blankets do, what the idea of all these things is to cut down the echo and cut down the external sound. 
Um, I did try with my little folding things that my husband um, made me. I did try setting them up in the little shed in the back garden. And we've got a little garden office shed. We've renovated and put insulation in the walls and everything. But it's still a tin shed. And every time a bird flew past, I could hear the bird's wings flapping, let alone the squawks it was making. Um, so it, it wasn't going to cut that sound out. Whereas being inside the, the brick house with the big roof, that cuts a lot of that external sound out. Um, so you want to be able to cut some of the like the road noise from traffic outside and cut some of that external noise. So you need to be inside of room. You can't do recording outside. Um, and all the blankets and things, uh, we, we use all those to cut the echo because sound works in, in sound waves. And as you speak, the sound goes out in front of you and it bounces off any hard surfaces and comes back. And that's how you get an echo in the mi microphone. Mm -hmm. So you want to cut that echo. Um, you can hear it yourself. If you go and stand in your bathroom and you talk, you can hear the echo come back off the tiles. You can you can hear the sound is different compared to if you go into probably your bedroom and you speak, you might still have lots of exposed walls, but you, a lot of that sound gets soaked up by all the soft things like the mattress and the pillows and the clothes. Yeah. So what yeah. you need is something in that room you can use a larger room but you need something in that room that's going to absorb the excess sound waves and not bounce them back so having um if you've got it in your office if you just need lots of soft things in there uh, so particularly uh, in front of your face like behind your microphone you want something so things aren't going to bounce off that wall so even if you're pop popping up some pillows or some foam or your blankets or whatever you've got it's not um like something thicker Softer, thicker things are, are going to soak up more sound than just a thin blanket. So even just throwing a few cushions on the floor in the other side of the, the room is going to help soak some things up. Um, but you, it's mostly the sound from in front of you and the sound from behind you that you want to stop. So you you so don't mm -hmm. so also then I'm guessing you, you you shouldn't have your laptop in front of you. Um, I don't have my laptop in front of me because my laptop has a little fan inside that goes and the microphone will pick that up. So um, I actually sit my microphone on the table. I've got like a three meter cable that comes with my microphone. So I set myself up a bit further away. So I get to edit out all the little running backwards and forwards from the microphone to the laptops as I'm pausing. <laughs> um, but plenty of people do have the microphone in there. If you've got your, have the laptop in with you, I know Joanna Penn has it in with her little area. Um, because if you've got the mic set up in the right direction, you're not going to hear the fan too much. I just get paranoid about things like that. Okay. Um, but another thing you can do is just you can you can buy them online, or you can create something that's just more like a um, like just a small foam-lined cardboard box. I've seen people do to sit up behind the microphone. So that as they're speaking, the excess sound goes into something smaller. So you don't necessarily have to get inside something that's going to make you feel claustrophobic. Uh, you just need to arrange things to absorb the sound from the directions that you're speaking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the best bet is to set it up, record a few things, then do the little sound check to, to check um, what the background noise is and that sort of thing amazing so all I, the little steps that I've broken down in the book if you want to know exactly how to check those things I have written down about 4,000 notes already <laughs> <laughs> um so what mistakes did you make in in the process that could that other authors could easily avoid 
forgot to put the dog outside when I began recording. Um, <laughs> but those, those background noises, um, it's much easier if you can eliminate them to begin with. So make sure you put the dog outside or put the dog in another room or um, wait till your husband goes to work so he's not trying to watch the telly or those kinds of things, making sure that you've got some quiet moments where you're not going to get interrupted. Um, put your phone on silent. Yes. <laughs> I, re- I read from my phone. I, um, Me too. I don't like turning pages. I don't like the page turning sounds. So I um, put the EPUB or the Word doc or whatever I'm reading from on my, my phone and I'll scroll through there. That way I've got a backlit screen because um, it's often a bit dark by the time you've buried yourself under a whole pile of blankets. Yeah. <laughs> so at least there's a bit of light in there. You can see what you're doing. Um, another thing is to try to slow down. I speak too fast. Uh, but that's my natural speaking voice. Um, it just means that you're not going to have to speed my audiobooks up to yeah. 1.5. Like I usually <laughs> do when I'm listening to everybody else. <laughs> I listen on two speed, two x speed as well, and I, yeah. and I know that um, I have listened. Yeah. You don't to... need to chipmunk me. <laughs> no, no, I have. I'm already sufficiently chipmunked. Um, I, I have. <laughs> I have got to listen to an only tiny snippets of um, the this podcast just because once I've edited it, I've heard enough of myself anyway. But um, yeah. I do sound like I'm on crack, so it's just ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that takes a bit of practice to slow yourself down. Yeah, especially when you get interested and caught up in your own story, which exactly. is a good sign as far as I'm concerned. If I've gotten so caught up in my own story that I'm getting excited about telling it, um, it can't be that bad. Just yeah. don't speed me up and you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. And also, I think we know where the intonation and where the expression comes. So I think it becomes mm. quite, you know, I know certainly when I was recording the nonfiction book, I was I did get very excited because I could put all of the you know because I'm quite sarcastic and I make up swear words so I was you know getting to say all of my swear words in the voice I wanted to say them in um right so obviously I'm a huge fan of your book and I have recommended it already on this podcast and I am recommending it again today um but uh do you have any other recommendations you know resources generally um Mm that other authors might find useful um mm. yeah um well as well as the ebook paperback and audiobook <laughs> um, i do have an online course so if you prefer to have that visual um instruction and, and watch somebody actually doing the things if that's something that appeals to you um i do have an online course version um, which we will link to in the show notes can, oh <laughs> yes because i've already sent you that link obviously on about it till now <laughs> Um, so I'll send you through that. Um, I've found just scrolling through YouTube and, and listening to people speaking um, with one of the books I want to do, I've, I've very sensibly written in a character who has an accent that's not Australian, um, which I'm never doing ever again. That's another tip. Just don't <laughs> write accents into your books. <laughs> you don't want to have to learn how to do them. <laughs> So I'm currently scrolling YouTube, listening to people who have that accent to try to get a little bit of a handle of how I can give that flavour. Yeah. Um, because with audio, if you don't, if you're not a voice actor, you don't want to sound like you're taking the piss. <laughs> if you know what I mean. So. God. You want, yeah, you you need to give a flavour of something without overacting. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, you don't doesn't mean that you have to, if you've written somebody with an accent or a speech impediment or something, you don't have to go over the top with it because it, you will just annoy listeners or mm. at least me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you you need to find that balance where you can give that flavour, whether you have that come through in just a few words or something like that. Um, so I'm yeah practicing with that one at the moment. Um, but you mentioned uh, Joanna Penn. She is a fabulous resource because she's totally all over this at the moment as well, um, which is where I've got a lot of the inspiration to get out and have a go and do it. So uh, Joanna Penn's got a podcast as well, The Creative Pen, mm-hmm. uh, and she's had quite a few interviews lately with people in regards to audiobook pro- um, production and that sort of thing. So you can have a scroll through hers. I know she's got um, a book coming out soon. She's been talking about around all the audio stuff. Um I think that's she's a course. Blog, is she not doing a course? Posts. She was talking about doing a course, and I think she's on her last podcast she was saying it was supposed to be a course, but she had sore shoulders and then something else happened and something else happened and it's probably going to be a book now. Ah. <laughs> but it'll probably turn into a course as well at some yeah. stage. I don't know. <laughs> that's what I would do anyway. We'll make it everything. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll just assume. But I know, I know, just, we'll see. I know she's got a few resources there anyhow. Um, she's got some blog posts as well, and I was very excited to see my book mentioned at the bottom of one of her blog posts. Oh, that's fantastic. You want to narrate for an audio books. Um, my other claim to fame is David Gogran mentioned me in my in his, one of his emails. No um, way, that's fantastic. Well. Yeah, I was totally fangirling over that one. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's some other people that are talking audio at the moment um, to keep an eye on. Perfect. Um, but... Yeah, uh, there's an audio book that Joanna mentioned that I went and had a listen to that's called Storyteller, How to Be an Audiobook Narrator. Um, that book is only available as audio and the women who produce that audio book do a lot of demonstrations of how to use your voice. So it doesn't really work as an ebook so well. Mm. Um, so that's a great one to listen to if you're wanting some tips on how to use your voice because you can pick up a lot of the other tips from reading uh, but those sort of things, you really need to hear them. So I found that one really useful to hear those sorts of things. Absolutely, because there are different techniques for, mm. um, you know, reading quotes or for internal yeah. thought, even changing your tone of voice for things like that at, versus, yep. you know, air quotes or whatever else um, yeah. people, we, we, we ignorant writers don't consider <laughs> when we are <laughs> penning our fiction books and forgetting oh. that they're going to be audio. Um <laughs> Perfect. So this is my favourite question always, but uh, this is the Rebel Author Podcast. So tell Mm. me about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. Okay, this was the scariest question for me because (laughs) I've always been like that rule-following, straight-laced, do-everything-the-right-way kind of person. Lies. I'm not a rebel. I've never been a rebel. You did your own audio book. I know. this is me who said I'm not creative even after I'd written and published a novel I still (laughs) didn't see myself as creative um and it took a bit of slapping around the face to say you are creative look at all these other things that you've done as well I used to make up my own patterns and crochet things and do all kinds of stuff but I didn't think I was creative until probably last year I realized that you are so creative (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) I know but we can't see it anyway I go "I'm, I'm not a rebel I was like I remember when I was 14 in in class at school, 
when the entire classroom broke into applause because I'd had my name written on the blackboard for talking and I was going to have to stay in at lunchtime. Like, they literally, <laughs> no way. They literally clapped because I'd never been in trouble before and they thought it was hilarious. Um, I then proceeded to get my name rubbed off the board and didn't have to stay in lunch because I was good for the rest of the class. <laughs> but I'm thinking, this is me. I'm, I'm not a rebel. Uh, and then I looked in the mirror this morning and went, well, I do have an asymmetrical haircut, six tattoos and a body piercing that I can't tell you about. So <laughs> nothing has happened since well, I was 14 and I maybe might have become a little more rebellious over time. I love it. What tattoos do you have? Um, I have uh, an iris on my back, um, a great big pink um, sweet pea on my thigh and a daisy behind my ear. So I've got three flowers. I've got a a little koi fish down on my um, ankle and on my forearms I've got um, the words forever and a day which is uh, lyrics from the song that my husband and I danced to at our wedding Aww. which was of like a, it was a a, tr- um, a traditional Thai Buddhist wedding in Thailand we had a destination wedding oh, which wow. is See? also a little rebellious oh my you god you're such a rebel girl you're in so much <laughs> denial I'm not creative <laughs> not a rebel you are both of those things <laughs> totally am um yeah and the other tattoo is a, a couple of sweet like a cartoon swing dancing couple on my right forearm i love and it I amazing want book, i want a book tattoo i need something that's book related but i haven't come up with a design i like yet so i actually uh, so something i'll have another one yeah I am a rebel that's what you should have tattooed I am creative um I I promised myself I would get a tattoo when I quit my job and worked for myself um and I I still want to have the tattoo I do have one however I let me caveat this by saying I am not afraid of needles however I have a very bad habit of fainting every single time I'm injected. It doesn't matter oh. whether, it's horrendous. If I'm in the dentist, they give me, um, you know, like the, the anesthetic stuff, but it has um, adrenaline in it. And most people are unaffected by that, but it speeds up my heart. I have a very sensitive heart and um, I tend to get a bit fainty. And every time I've had a piercing, I have had a number of piercings every fucking time. <laughs> I will faint every single goddamn I time. when I got my ears pierced. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and like, that was the first, like, was my first, um, time that I was like actually deciding to be a rebel because I'd grown up very strict Christian upbringings and it was very frowned upon to wear jewelry. And so getting your ears pierced was like, that was terrible. You don't do that. So I was in my early twenties, just broken up with a guy and had sort of started not going to church anymore. And I thought I'm going like the next day I had had a half a day off work. I didn't have to start till after lunch. I thought, right, I'm going to get my ears pierced because that's what we do when we break up with someone. We go and dye our hair or chop it off or get a piercing or something ridiculous. So I went, right, that's it. I'm going to get my ears pierced. And um, I rang up all the pharmacies around the place that could do it and nobody could do it that morning. Everybody had somebody coming in the afternoon or the next day or something like that. So I got in the car and I drove up the road to the local body piercing tattooing place and went in there and thought, rightio, I'll just get my ears pierced. So I got it done with the needle in there um, and I was fine getting it done. I sat back in the chair and like it it pinched a bit, hurt a bit, but I was okay. I felt fine. Um, And I got up after probably 15 minutes and I was standing at the counter and I was, I was paid, just paid for it. And I was asking the the woman about the self-care, what do I need to do? And my hands felt a bit tingly. And I thought nothing of it because I'd never fainted before. (laughs) 
but I'm, so I'm standing there and I'm sort of rubbing my hands on my pants. I feel a bit tingly. I put my purse on the counter. And next minute, I'm sound asleep in my bed. No. And I've woken up. And I'm, I'm lying in my bed and I've woken up and I, I see this woman like two inches from my face. And if you can imagine a woman who works in a body piercing tattooing place has very many ta- um, piercings on her face. So I've come to, to this strange woman who's covered in body piercings two inches from my face and the thoughts run through my head is who the hell are you and what the hell are you doing in my bedroom (laughs) and it took me another minute or two to realize I was lying on the floor in this tattooing place oh my god (laughs) I love it I wasn't actually at home in bed um yeah so I then took the rest of the day off work but it took me another half an hour to pull myself together enough to drive home (laughs) called in sick to work and geez I cop shit for calling in sick (laughs) I bet you did Yes, they, they didn't let me hear the end of that for a while. Uh, in, my, in, <laughs> in my defence, I have incredibly low blood pressure, which I which I, yeah. I inherited from my mother. Um, but <laughs> I uh, yeah, so so I am actually prone to fainting anyway. But yeah, I've I've had many. I've had well, I won't tell you all of the things that I've had pierced, but I've had a <laughs> lot of things pierced, and I have fainted. The worst one was when I had my tongue pierced, and I collapsed yeah. on the stairs. Uh, walking down the stairs which was actually pretty dangerous but um i survived so there's that um i survived the other one um, but i did pass out the first time i got acupuncture oh Um, really so i had had needles put in the back of my neck for i was having a lot of sinus issues so they sat sat me in a chair put these things in the back of the neck put a heat lamp on me um and of course i ended up passing out and fitting in the chair and carrying on (gasps) No. Okay, um, perhaps that's not a good idea. So the the guy. (laughs) You think? (laughs) The guy says, come back, we'll do acupuncture again, but you need to do it lying down. So I had to do it lying down on the bed. Um, And because he said it was something to do with the energy flowing up and down your body that makes you pass out. And if you do it lying down, then you're all right because it's the energy is flowing horizontally, not up and down. Uh huh. Very interesting. I also found that interesting. It seemed to work all right for me. He said it's it works for the big biker guys, like the big, strong, tough guys that come in and reckon that they're fine. They're always <laughs> the ones that pass out with acupuncture. He reckons. Yeah, probably. Goes, if you do it like this, you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. Okay. So tell everyone where they can find out more about you, your books, and your audio books. Okay. Uh, my website is Hey Said Renee dot blogspot.com um if you can i figured that's easier to spell than canalty <laughs> but if you can spell canalty which is c-o-n-o-u-l-t-y google that and you find me pretty much everywhere um there are no other canalty authors out there at the moment so if you punch canalty into amazon or kobo or wherever you get your books you'll find all my books that way quite easily um I also have a podcast starting in November do with my flash you? I do. Very so exciting. if you want to have a listen to my stories without paying for them, um, you can have a listen to uh, Fun Size Fiction, I've called it. So all the episodes are about five minutes. There's one little short flash fiction story. Um, they'll be coming out weekly starting in November. So have a listen to them. And if you do like them, there is an option in there that you can make a donation. Amazing. Um, or buy one of them. So, yeah, um, social media, I'm pretty much Facebook is where I'm most active or Instagram. So um, I'll pop the links to those in the show notes too. Perfect. Um, And so as part of this podcast, you're going to run a giveaway, aren't you? I am. 
I am. I'd love to give away an ebook copy and an audiobook copy of my nonfiction book called Narrated by the Author. Uh, so if you're interested in learning how to narrate your own audiobook, you can enter the giveaway and have a chance at winning one of those. And if you're unlucky, you can go and buy one. They're only about $5. <laughs> Um, and all of the information on how to enter that will also be in the show notes. So thank you. I think we are just about out of time. So thank you very much for uh, talking to me today. Thank you to all of the patrons supporting the show. If you would like to get early access to any of the episodes, you can do that by going to www.patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. And that is Sasha with a C. Uh, Thank you to everybody listening. I am Sasha Black. You are listening to Renee Canolti. And this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I'll be talking to Katie Forrest all about time management and how to be more productive. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review. (music) 